when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey guys, it's the Hollywood Life Podcast. And I am here today with my co-anchor, Ali Stagnita. Hey, Ali. Hi, Bonnie. Um, so excited to, well, well, excited is, is, feels like the wrong word, but I am looking forward to learning more in this conversation we're having today and, and talking to somebody that I've followed for a long time on Twitter and I have seen um, on the news and and as as a trail trailblazer um, and groundbreaker, and so I'm excited that he has joined us today. So, Bonnie, I'll let you um, introduce our special guest. We have a very special guest, and I think, and a very important guest. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about a very important and critical topic for all of us. And I also am looking forward to hearing from him and to getting his advice and direction on what we can all do to make our world, our country, a much safer place. And with that, let's all welcome gun safety activist, Fred Gutenberg. Hey, Fred. Hey, how are you both? We are good. And I so appreciate you coming to see us this week and talk with us all in our Hollywood life um, listeners and viewers, because this was a very big week for you. Um, it was a very big week personally for you. You honored your daughter, Jamie. Jamie, um, your daughter, Jamie, was one of the victims of the Parkland School Massacre in 2018. And you honored her 19th birthday this week. And I'm sure that was very, very emotional. And you also were at the White House this week for the signing of very important gun safety legislation, the first in 30 years, the Bipartisan Saver Communities Act. So thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Listen, this this week, um, I guess the the word I would use to describe it was surreal. as you noted, my daughter was one of the children killed in the Parkland shooting. Um, my son was also there. My son listened to the bullets that killed his sister. And and so, you know, my fight for gun violence is because of the lasting impact that it has on our families. And Monday, after four plus years of doing this, of, of this mission to break the gun lobby and the grip on our legislators and legislation. I was at the White House with the president, with the administration, with thousands of other survivors celebrating that we did just that. We broke the back of the lobby. We got meaningful legislation passed. It is by no means enough. We need to do more, but we did it. Unfortunately, 
the work continues. And so the next day I was in court in the morning because of my appeal of the gun manufacturer lawsuit that I still have out there. And then I was in court again later that day with the state attorney and the other families because the criminal trial is starting Monday of this next the Florida, week. The Florida state attorney. The, correct, for the killer. Um, the criminal trial is finally starting after all these years. Wow. And then on Wednesday, what should have been my daughter's 19th birthday, which I spent at the cemetery, but listen, my daughter should have been off with her friends, traveling in Europe, doing something crazy, with all, which I see all of her friends doing, but she's not. And um, it, it is because of that reality that I will keep doing this work because, um, you know, young people in this country have a chance to grow up and know that they're going to bring children into the world that maybe won't have the same risk of gun violence that my daughter and my son did. Well, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing to make, to, to, to fight so hard to make the country safer for all of us and our families. And I think that, you know, nothing could be a more beautiful legacy for your daughter than how dad fighting for her every single day. Can you tell us a little bit about Jamie? Yeah, um, my, my, my amazing little daughter was, um, uh, you know, she was certainly, she was beautiful. She was feisty, she was tough. She was a competitive dancer. And this quote behind me, dreams and dedication are a powerful combination is actually a quote that she found online that she, that motivated her always to be a better dancer. Um, and she just had this dream of always being better and performing at a higher level and dedicated her life to it. And that quote has since become my quote that I live my life by. I have a dream of ending gun violence in this country and I'm dedicating my life to it. But my daughter, Jamie, everything I do now, it's with her on my shoulders and her giving me the words. She inspires me every day because she was a tough as nails kid. She despised bullies. And if she saw somebody being bullied in school, she would put herself in the middle of it and make it stop. If she saw kids being picked on in school, she would reach out and invite them into her friend group. If it was, um, you know, uh, she used to dedicate her personal time to kids with special needs because that's what she wanted to do in life growing up was always make sure she was helping them to have better lives as well. She was 14, but she had life figured out. You know, she had a life plan. She knew what she wanted. Her toughness as her dad was sometimes difficult because sometimes she was tough with me, but you know what? I'm better for it. And I just, listen, I miss my kid every second of every day. She was the energy in every room she stepped into. She made you laugh. Sometimes she made you yell, but she always made you react, you know? And I just, it, it is amazing to me that all these years later, I don't get to see the beautiful young adult that she would have turned into. 
it, it's just, I, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And as I mean, as a parent, I totally, I, I feel for you. And I think it's so important that we all recognize that, you know, so pre how precious are the lives that are no longer with us because of gun violence and because of our decision as a nation to make guns so easily available yeah. to everybody, including young people, like the, like the person who came into the, um, your daughter's school, Marjorie Stoneham Douglas, make them so easily available still. Listen, we in America have a choice to make. Do we wanna be okay with a, a, I don't know what kind of language I can use here, a, a bastardized interpretation of the Second Amendment um, that allows us to be in a place where our own personal security is always at risk, where our right to life is always at risk, or do we want to do something about it? And doing something about it doesn't mean affecting the, light, the rights of lawful gun owners, but it does mean putting boundaries in place that prevent those who intend harm to you or the, me or themselves from having the means to do so. We haven't done that for 30 years while we've had this explosion in gun sales. You know, I did another interview this morning and I was reminding them how after the Sandy Hook shooting, it was four days after Wayne LaPierre, the NRA president, uh, for the very first time said the words, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. They used Sandy Hook for this explosion in gun sales. And right. we as a country now have a responsibility to put the brakes on that. And this legislation was a start, but anyone listening to this, if you think your vote doesn't matter, you're wrong. This legislation was only possible because we voted in 2018 and 2020 and get off your butts and get out there and vote in November because a whole lot depends on it and voting matters. Absolutely. Um, I'm so, go ahead, Allie. Yeah. First of all, I'm sorry. I'm emotional. I just, I it, like hearing you talk. I remember you, I remember seeing you on television either like the night of or the next day. The next day. Um, and I yeah. remember being so moved by your passion and your passion for gun control just hours after this tragedy happened to your family. Um, and I'm pissed that it's still happening. Um, and I'm curious how you just leapt into action. Why was that your immediate response? Um, yeah. You've dedicated your life ever since. Yeah. So it's such a great question. And it wasn't it, it wasn't something that I decided to do. It's sort of like the moment came to me. So you're you brought up the next day when I spoke. That was at the Parkland Vigil. And what happened is I got there and the Parkland mayor said, Listen, I don't I have a speaking spot for myself, but I'd like to give it to you if you're able to do it. I said, what the hell? And I just went up there and I just let it go. I didn't write anything out I because I didn't know. And what happened was when I got up there on the stage, I'll be really honest with both of you, 
for the first 24 hours, my world was spinning. I bet. It, it didn't even register with me. Like I, I knew my daughter was shot, but it like didn't really hit me that like this was gun violence that just broke my family until I stood there on that stage. And I, and I saw these thousands of people holding their candles and crying. And I just remember saying, like, it hit me. This is gun violence. And saying, this time gun violence came to the wrong community and messed with the wrong dad. And I walked in my house that night after that vigil. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to break that effing gun lobby. And it just became my mission. And later that week, I got a call from now President Joe Biden, um, and it was such and it a crazy out of the blue, wasn't it? You you didn't expect this. So call. out of the blue, it was probably around one thirty in the afternoon. I was getting all sorts of random calls. I wasn't answering my phone if I didn't recognize the number. And he left a message, and he just said, "Hey, Fred, this is Joe Biden, um, <laughs> and I'd like to talk to you if." you're interested, I will call you back at exactly six o'clock. And if you pick up and you want to talk great, if not, I understand. And I'm shocked he actually called back at exactly six because everybody knows he's not typically on time. Uh, but he did. And we ended up having such an amazing conversation for probably 45, 50 minutes. He was on the train going from Virginia to New York for an event for his uh, Bo Biden Foundation. Again, Joe Biden knows grief. And, and so he was going to an event there. And we just, he wanted to know about me, about my wife, about my son, and mostly about Jamie. And at some point he just said to me like, so what is your plan? I said, I don't have a plan. I just know I want to break that effing gun lobby. And he goes, well, you can do it. And he goes, you know, and he started talking to me about mission and purpose. And that conversation is where I realized I have a mission and a purpose. And I was in this weird time in my life where I had sold my business about a year before. I had spent the year going back and forth to New York. My brother was sick with cancer related to 9-11 and he didn't have a wife and kids. And so while he was in his last year of life, because he died four months before my sister was, before my daughter was killed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. I was going back and forth to take care of him. So when my, so he died in October of 17. My wife said to me, you're taking the rest of this year off. You've not taken a moment off in your entire adult life. You're taking the rest of this year off. So I did November, December, January of 2018 rolls around and I'm going crazy. Like, I didn't know what to do. I'm not good at waking up and not having a plan. So I was starting to look for a mission, a purpose, a new business, something. And then my daughter got killed. And so when Joe Biden said that to me, it, it stopped everything else in its tracks. And it became clear to me, this was the only thing that made sense that I could do going forward. And it's been that way since. And you really have devoted yourself. I mean, I follow you on Twitter. You're on Twitter every day, yeah. uh, talking about the gun violent, about gun violence, gun safety, what we need to do, as well as all kinds of other issues. And yeah. it must have been, I guess, felt 
kind of full circle, though I know we're no we're nowhere near done, but to be in the White House with Joe Biden, having him sign the Bipartisan Safety Safer Communities Act. Yes. Just tell us since you you've acknowledged this is not it. It's not done, but it's an important step. What's in this um, bill that's going to make life somewhat safer for us, for our families? So, so a friend of mine who's running for Congress described the bill as necessary, but not sufficient. And I think that sums it up. So what's in it? A, closing of the boyfriend loophole. That's a big deal. Okay, we have people in all different types of relationships where, you know, one person in that relationship commits violence, but was able to buy a weapon. And, and we're closing that loophole. That is a big, big deal. Right. So they don't have to be married anymore. Correct. Correct. Considered a domestic partner or boyfriend. And, and listen, let's face it. I mean, that was a big deal in this country because non-traditional, not always married relationships are not uncommon anymore. No. And, and so closing that loophole mattered. Having a while I wished we would have raised the age to 21, we couldn't get all the votes needed to do that. But having a mechanism with which to put more attention on those under 21 trying to buy these weapons and extend the significance of the background check and connect law enforcement and the FBI as part of that process will absolutely stop young people in a in a moment of crisis from going out and buying a weapon that they may use to commit harm. The extension of red flag laws as a tool now around the country. We got them passed in Florida three weeks after the Parkland shooting. They've been used 8,000 times now. Wow. That's 8,000 instances of potential violence stopped. They work, you know, really, really big deal, but, but the, the other one, and I'll just I'll, I'll I'll make this fourth final point that maybe gets the least attention, but maybe the most consequential, and it is the ability is the redefining of who a a gun seller is, mm -hmm. and by doing that, extending the numbers of people in this country who will now be subject to background checks, mm -hmm. um, really consequential big things. There's lots of other stuff in there. But those are big, big deals, and they will save lives and they will reduce gun violence. And as you say, it's so important that at least this stranglehold on getting any le federal legislation done was broken. So perhaps it, it get, provides optimism that it can be broken again. For 30 years, those on the other side always knew and said, you'll never get anything passed. And they knew it and they were right. And we've broken through that wall. It's no longer about whether or not we can get anything passed. Now it's only about what's possible, what more we can do to save lives. That's what this is all about. This isn't about restricting rights of gun owners. That's a bunch of BS. This is about saving lives. We passed really sensible gun laws in Florida after Parkland, not a single legal lawful gun owner spends any time thinking about the laws we passed because they don't affect them. 
but we're saving lives. And I Let's think that go ahead, Alan. Well, data has shown that legal, lawful gun owners want gun control because they want this to stop happening. This 80 to 90% at any poll yeah. of, of America wants it. That includes gun owners. That includes Republicans. The, the gun lobby for far too long did an amazing job of holding legislators hostage to the will of the majority. We broke through that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I just think it's important for like our, our listeners to understand that, like why these, why Republicans are, I guess, universally against, almost universally, except we got this one law through, but why they've been universally against um, any uh, more gun safety. Is it because the, really it's the gun manufacturers who are funding the NRA and then through them giving lots of money to Republican candidates? Is that the reason? Well, so, so I, I will, that is true for a period of time ago. I think the money really mattered. But what happened also is because of that money, people who really believe this level of insanity got elected. And, and so you now have people who really, who are serving in government, who believe the craziness of the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. They, that's who they are now. And so the fact that we were able to get a bipartisan result here is such a big deal, but it goes back to what Ali just said, which is they had no choice. 80 to 90% of America wants it. And if they didn't do it, it just would have been another reason for people to vote those legislators out. Listen, um, the bottom line is this, America wants this done. And I do believe America is going to turn out and vote in record numbers in November, and this will be one of the key issues why. Well, listen, there's been uh, already, I think last year was about 700 mass shootings in yeah. the country, and there's already been about half of that this year. Yeah. Yeah. There have been 27 mass school shootings, mass school shootings this year like think about that what other country would tolerate their children being subjected to mass school shootings and we look at a uvaldi and there were a lot of good guys with guns in that school yeah. hallway listen I, I uvalde really i always say gun safety is police safety because police law enforcement now knows they're likely in many of these instances outgunned as well. And so I am as angry as anybody at the police response in Uvalde. They failed. They were cowards. They didn't defend the kids. They didn't go win. But we in America shouldn't act like we're surprised, you know, because the truth is law, those law enforcement officers know if they went in, they may not go home to their kids. You know, they know we've armed America to a place where they're at risk, where it's not just that the shooters have the AR-15s with endless ammunition. They're likely wearing body, body armor, armor too. Yeah, yes. Body armor. So 
Anyone who, listen, be angry at law enforcement. Let's punish those who failed. And more importantly, not more important, but equally importantly, let's get to the bottom of the cover-up that happened in Uvalde. Oh, yeah. But let's not act like we're surprised. Let's not act like we should be surprised that the law enforcement officer at my daughter's school didn't go in because he was not armed the same way as the killer. And what happened in Buffalo when the law enforcement officer with the gun went in, he got shot and killed, you know? So so my message to America is don't act surprised. Be even angrier when you think about this at the legislators who put us in this place and fire them. Mm-hmm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And there's now 400 million guns in America, in the hands of American citizens. Yes. And apparently that is almost half of the guns in private hands in the entire world. We have 5% of the population. It's, it's pure insanity. When Jamie was killed just over four years ago, we were 300 million guns in America. And just over four years, we've gone 400 million plus ghost guns. Who knows how many of those are out there, okay? And, and so it is insanity, and it is a reflection of what the last administration did during COVID when the economy shut down and they demanded that gun shops be considered essential businesses. That's right. Now is the only place people could go out. You buy food or you buy a gun. You know, it was, it's insanity. What the violence we're seeing now is predictable. It was also preventable and we still have the chance to do more. We, we're never gonna get rid of gun violence at this point. But we can start turning the curve. We can lower the gun violence death rate. We can reduce the instances of gun violence. But but listen, nothing more is going to happen until after the next election. So we better show up and vote. I was going to ask what what are the next steps? Um, yeah. You know, after voting. No, no. But let's talk. Let's stay on voting because I think you know I I think that people don't realize. I think you know. You've brought this up now a couple of times in our conversation, Fred. They don't realize that they do have the power to elect representatives in their states because a lot of these, uh, it's a lot of the gun laws are passed at the state level. So yes. they have the power to change these crazies, as you put them, Republican representatives in their state legislatures who pass these laws and they can vote out the Republicans that they've elected to Congress at the federal level. So tell us more about- No, listen, I I, I often say we in America have done a terrible job of voting. And I I don't mean we voted for the wrong people. I mean, not enough of us have voted. And so we've ended up with the wrong people because we've always had a minority of Americans voting. We have to be better than that. We can fix this. We need to vote. When we vote, 
and we saw increased numbers in 18 and 20, better things can happen. This gun safety legislation is an example. Looking at what the Supreme Court is doing now is an example and a reflection of a time when too many of us didn't vote because that's when we had Mitch McConnell running the Senate. So, so we can fix things with our vote. And my advice to people is really simple. Everyone who listens to me speak, decide without a doubt you will vote, but that's not enough. Check your registration, check your identification, because you don't want to get to voting day and realize you have a problem. And in red states, that's a possibility because they're messing around. So check now. The other thing I'm going to tell people, wherever possible, vote early, whether you go to a, a voting place early or you do it by mail. Don't wait to election day this election cycle. It's not the year to do that. Okay. Why is that? Well, um, for a lot of reasons, for people who don't take the time to check registration identification ahead of time, you may find out you have a problem. I also think it's not unreasonable that some kind of an event may occur in this country to scare people from going to the polls on election day. And so I am trying to tell everyone I can, this is the year to vote early. We should in essence be in a place to know who we're gonna elect when election day begins, not when it ends, if people go early. Can you though be really clear? Cause I think everyone needs to realize that we can't just say vote. You have to vote democratic. Like you, this can't, is, you can't vote Republican. So I if uh, you want gun safety laws. Well, if you want gun safety, if you want the freedom of choice, if you want to do something about the environment, if you want voting rights. So one of my, someone who's become one of my best friends is former Congressman Joe Walsh, who you may oh, know yeah. him. Yes. The crazy tea oh, party guy. Too. <laughs> the crazy tea party guy, the guy who was the very first out in front of Donald Trump, but right after Trump became president said, oh my God, what did I do? And he has come to realize what this version of his former party stands for. He goes across the country with me now telling everyone, vote for Democrats in this election, that this is the election to break the back of the, of the sickness that has invaded his former party, um, that the only way to save democracy is to go ahead and vote Democrats in this election cycle, rebuild what was once the Republican Party, and we can worry about who voting for different parties in a future election, not this one. You really go out across the country with Joe Walsh? Joe and I have done talks together. We've done media together. Uh, he's actually a great guy. I really love him. Well, <laughs> now that's an odd couple. <laughs> yes. There are definitely Republicans and conservative Congress people and people running that believe in sensible gun laws. So I don't know yes. if like, I agree with Fred. You can't tell people to vote a certain way, Bonnie. But you can say if you want, you know, to do your research. and, and Well, gun laws and the fight for democracy go hand in hand. Yeah. You know? And and so, listen, in this election cycle, um, this, is the, this is the election to only vote for Democrats. Not because you only agree with Democratic oh, yeah. principles. <laughs> 
but it's about democracy right now. Obviously, yeah. I yeah. do agree with that, but you know. No, but I think we do have to be really honest about what's going on right now. Yes. Because I agree. Look, listen, we've got Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, and they're doing a fantastic- They're heroes of mine. Who would have ever thought that? Right, on the January 6th committee. Yeah. But, but, and Liz is running for office, but I don't know what her stance is on gun rights. And, but she's certainly not- She voted for this bill. Pardon? She voted for this bill. Well, good for her. Yep. But I don't believe, but she is anti-abortion. So you have to look at I all know. the policies, you know, and depending on what, what is your beliefs, vote for, again, everyone can make their own choice. But for gun safety, yes, definitely can't vote Republican right now. Well, and for democracy, you yes. know, so, so this is just such a unique election um, and democracy is on the line. What I would say to people is, if you look at everything as, and again, we'll take the issue of choice, as they're either right on that issue or not, and you vote based upon that, this may be the election where we either hold on to the chance to continue fighting for these things, or we permanently lose it. And, and so it is so important that we put democracy and freedom above all else because that's what gives us the ability to keep functioning in a way where we can fight for the things we believe in. Fred, can you explain to our listeners and viewers, because I know you are very educated in this topic as well, because I do see you speak, I speak, see you speaking out on it as well. Why is it democracy on the ballot? Why is it this election in the midterms that is so important to make sure you you vote Democrat in order to save democracy. Can you? Yeah, listen, you have an entire political party that has actually decided that democracy doesn't work for them anymore. They are not participating. They're not even trying to do bipartisan things. That same party is the same party that pushes the big lie that engaged in violence or helped support violence on January 6th um, and continues to push the big lie and continues to um, dismiss the need to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. If that party comes back to power, they get power in the House, and they get power in the Senate. The idea of a free election going forward is over. They have made it clear if they end up with both House and the Senate, the first thing they're going to do is move to impeach Biden. Okay? They just they it doesn't matter don't ask why how what what would be the, it doesn't matter. If they have the votes, they don't need the reason. They'll do it because that's who they are. They're, they are, they no longer believe in the levers of democracy, and that is the reason they need to be defeated. Bear in mind, January 6th wasn't worse because to some extent we got very lucky. There were weapons that were intended to be used that could have made it worse, that for a variety of different reasons, thankfully, that didn't come to be. But the weapons were there. They were being stored and that could have been 
a tipping point for democracy, we can't let it happen again. Um, uh, I, I, well, I agree with you also because they want to put in election, new election uh, laws, which will make it enable their state legislatures that they control to simply overturn the results of their yeah. own of their the elections in their states. And once you do that, there's no democracy. It sounds crazy, but that's what they want to do. Yeah. Just going back. Sorry, Ali, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask um, about DeSantis uh, being as you My are governor. governor. My governor. DeSantis, as you are from Florida and you're in Florida and he sucks. So what, um, <laughs> having, like, has he, like, what did he do surrounding part? Like, I just, I, yeah, I mean, I can't do, can so, you communicate with him at all? DeSantis was not governor when Parkland happened. Right. Um, and, but he, but he wrote to the governorship on the backs of the Parkland families, meaning he connected with the families, talked accountability, talked support for the law that we passed and said he would fight to protect that law, removed the sheriff who failed, did all sorts of things. And we were all very engaged with him and supportive of him early on. And for the first year in office, he even tried to act somewhat moderate. But somewhere along the way, he went off the deep end. And I despise, and that's kind, Ron DeSantis. Um, everything about him is evil. The thing is, you know, he's trying to outdo Trump with the running to the base to attract to the Trumplicans, but every effort to attract a Trumplican, he turns off a moderate. And we need to remember that because in this next election, there's gonna be the Trumplicans and everybody else. The Republicans who are no longer, can, who can no longer stomach the party, the independents and the Democrats. So people need to stop looking at him because his Trumplican base loves him as inevitable. Because the reality of Ron DeSantis is he's also strange. He is not likable, okay? In a weird way, Donald Trump has some bizarre charisma for people. DeSantis doesn't. Right. And, and so I think we, we just, we need to stop anointing people like Ron DeSantis as inevitable because when people get to know him, they won't like him. Um, just getting, going back to uh, school shootings, and Uvalde. Did you have any contact with any of the families from Uvalde? So in the immediate aftermath, no. Since yes, uh, in fact, and I met several of them in person Monday in Washington, DC. Um, you know, um, it's interesting. The Highland Park shooting was different. There was almost immediate contact. And I think it's a reflection of a community. One has a lot of resources and the ability to make a lot of connections and one doesn't. And that's why after all of these shootings, whether it's in uh, Uvalde or Highland Park, I make sure I get on the media and, and I really tell everybody at a local level, like you re reach out to me, you know? You know, and if you don't know how the interviewer conducting this interview, they'll make sure they get it done. 
because I don't want people in communities that don't have the same level of resources to not have the same level of support. Because um, it is, it's, it was striking. Highland Park, within with less than 24 hours, the numbers of people who are reaching out from that shooting to connect. Um, out to you, Fred. What's that? How do people reach out to you? How did the Highland Park um, victims and community reach out to you? There's, so most of them just used a really simple way of going through my personal website, fredguttenberg.com and sending me a message. And with all of their contact information, um, some, you know, because of people who I know in Chicago, um, you know, or they would reach out to the political people in Chicago, who most of whom I've connected with. Um, and the political people in Chicago would connect them. Highland Park, again, is a very connected community. So they were able to do that. But anyone who wants to reach out to me, you don't need any political connection. You go straight to my website, an email will come directly to me and I will respond. What are they looking for? Are they looking for personal advice? How do I get through this? Like, cause it's just so overwhelming. Is it advice about how to mobilize their community to yeah. what you're doing is trying to get safe, the like gun safety laws. So it, it's, it's all of the above. Um, in some cases it's a family member um, and I won't use names um, where a family member was shot in some cases injured, some cases killed. And this family just like wants to know, like, how do I pick myself up and go from today to the next day? Yeah. Like, just help me do that. And, and in other cases, it's people who maybe know a family that was affected or were in the vicinity and saw it or heard it, like, you know, in Highland Park. And they're just immediately, I want to mobilize, like, connect me. What do I do? Who do I talk to? So it's both, um, but whatever people want to do and in whatever time frame they want to do it, just I'm here as a support person. I will help you one way or the other. Uh, I usually try and tell people for the first week or two, like, like put all the mobilization stuff aside and just focus on the emotional stuff and be there for one another. Um, but, but some, but, but it's, but it's both. Do you have any political aspirations yourself? Um, so the answer to that question is I've been asked a lot to run for different things. Um, my dear friend, Congressman Ted Deutsch is retiring and he, certainly would have loved for me to have run for his seat, but I don't. Um, I have found a, a role for myself that I find is pretty effective, not running for anything. Um, I get to say what I want, how I want, to who I want, when I want. And I don't have to moderate anything. And I can talk to Anybody who's, you know, Senate or, or Congressperson, I can talk to the White House. I talk to governors. I, I don't need to run. I almost feel like I would have to diminish myself a little bit from the cause that matters to me. 
and and I don't want to do that. Right, so you, yeah, you're able I'm to not run it for anything. And you you are able to focus and, and push on various bills and legislation. Um, I wanted just to ask you before I just ask you kind of to end about a couple of other bills that I think that yeah. you are pushing for. The par the Parkland community was you know really did mobilize and has continued to to have a lot of representation as a group. I mean, David Hogg is is. Um, continually speaking out. He is. Um, Manuel Oliver, who has lost his son, he was yeah. also at the signing. He has done a, um, you know, a lot of speaking out and also events. Yeah. Why do you feel like, are you guys all in touch? Do you talk, do you share, do you work together? So the answer is not all of us. Um, you know, I call Manny my brother from another mother. I mean, Manny and I do. We we are both fighting to reduce gun violence. David is a wonderful kid, and that's what he is. And I remind him that all the time because when he started taking these gap years, I just I wanted him to get to school because he is going to be a future leader of this country, and he needs his education. But he's he is amazing. Um, and, and so the answer is many of us are connected on this issue, but amongst even our 17 families, not everybody agrees with me. There are some who are polar opposite. Um, we'll always share the loss, but we're not gonna share a political direction. And, and so, you know, um, we've all kind of found our space. Uh, and and we try to connect where we can, but but clearly there's been a, a, a different directions. There is a, one of the things you're working on, I believe, is uh, Jamie's law. Yeah. Tell us about that. There's two I want to ask you about: Jamie's law and Ethan's law, because are these yeah. your big, like the big pushes you're still working on? So, um, uh, and I'll talk about Ethan's law now because my my dear friend Kristen Song is actually. Um, just in Washington, D.C. all week, continuing to push for it. Um, and, and Kristen and Mike Song, um, two people who I wish I never knew, but who I love and who I only know because of gun violence. Their son, um, within about the same month as Jamie was killed, went to visit a friend at a home. And the dad, unfortunately, did not properly secure a gun. It was in a shoebox or something. And the two boys were playing with it and Ethan ended up being shot in his head and killed. And Kristen and Mike Song have spent their life since fighting for safe storage. They, every single day in this country, children die because of an unsecured weapon. Sometimes adults die because a child finds it and accidentally shoots it. And it's preventable. You know, when, when I say we fight for, for gun safety laws that, are, that won't impact somebody's rights to gun ownership, but that will save lives, this is a perfect example. Lock up your damn weapons, America. You know, it's that simple. Lock them up. And, and so that's what Ethan's Law attempts to do. It's been already passed in the House. So the next step is through the Senate, but to get it further, we need the next election. 
We need Jamie, more Democratic senators. That more vote, Democratic right? senators. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not like we need 10 more to get us to 60. I just want a few so we can break the filibuster. Mm-hmm. Jamie's law is very different. Um, you have 400 million weapons, as you noted earlier, in this country already. The thing about um, the laws here, if you're a prohibited purchaser of a firearm, by law, you're also prohibited from buying bullets. But there is no requirement for a background check on ammunition. And so what happens is a prohibited buyer may get their hands on one of those 400 million weapons. They steal it. Somebody left it unlocked. They trade for it. Any number of ways. The bad or, guys. Or like an 18-year-old could take it, or like the Sandy Hook guy, he could get the Sandy it. Sandy Hook mother. guy. Yep. Mother. So a- anybody who actually, for different reasons, shouldn't have their hands on a weapon and intends harm and gets their hands on a weapon, while it would be illegal for them to buy the bullets, there's no requirement to check. So they simply walk into the store and buy the ammunition. Jamie's law seeks to do nothing but extend background checks to ammunition. Let's close the loophole. Very sensible. Yep. That's it. It's that simple. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And so when um, when are the hearings and things for that happening? It was my hope that we would have gotten it for hearings and markup in this past session, and we didn't. Um, so at this point, it will have to wait for the next Congress, which is why for me personally, the Democrats holding the House is such a big deal. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you have given us so much um, information, um, so much to think about and to act on. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Fred, to come to the Hollywood Life podcast and to inform us. And I hope to motivate our listeners and readers to make sure that they check their registrations for voting, make sure they've got their ID, whatever they need. Vote, 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 and vote for Democrats. Yeah, I mean, this is, I agree with you. There's never been an election that is more important than what's coming up in the midterms. And I feel that, you know, for over 51% of the country, women, our lives have been changed by the Supreme Court and by the overturning of Roe versus Wade. That is going to also affect every single family in this country in some way. So lots of reasons to vote for gun safety, voting, our bodies. Absolutely. Thank you again for coming and let's keep in touch. Thank you both. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, We'll have to have you back in November, right before for another push. You got it. Awesome. Thank Thank you, you, Fred. Fred. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.